the One Page Marketing Plan, Chapter 3, the third box in the nine boxes in the One Page Marketing Plan. And it is what Alan Dibb calls Reaching Prospects with Advertising Media. Welcome to the Biz and Life Done Well podcast, where we explore what it means and what it takes to do business and life well. I'm your host, Peter Wilson. If you're like me, you're intrigued by stories of common people who have achieved uncommon success in business and life. Join me as I interview fascinating people about how they got started, their successes and failures, their habits and routines, and what inspires them. My guest is business coach and marketing strategist, Chris Goldman. We are going to be talking about the one-page marketing plan, chapter three, the third box in the nine boxes in the one-page marketing plan. And it is what Alan Dibb calls reaching prospects with advertising media. If you haven't decided on your target market and you haven't crafted a message for them, you should not be putting advertising out there. It's a great way to waste money. So if you haven't selected your target market or crafted your message, listen to the previous podcasts that we've done on those topics. And of course, get Alan Dibb's book. And if we have some copies left, we'll be giving them away. I've got about 20 more copies available for free. Send an email to free at bizmktg.com. We'll send you a free copy of the book. We'll just mail it to you. We're talking like old school paperback copy. Today, we're talking about reaching prospects. You are paying generally to get your message in front of folks. So where do we start with this, Chris? I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions questions today because this is really more in your area. Let's set the table a little bit here. He has a great illustration he uses for marketing and he wants you to not think in terms of being a hunter, but in terms of being a farmer. A hunter wakes up in the morning, goes out and hunts something to eat for that day. And the next day they have to repeat it. A farmer is planting seeds that's going to provide crops that's going to last you month after month after month. And when we get into marketing and messaging and now our media, we really have to be thinking in terms of not the quick hit as much as we are the long-term value. We're going to use these tools. Let's talk about the base of it. Why do we need a website, Pete? Because a lot of people do ask that. Do I really need a website today? What's the point? What's the purpose? The point of a website is it is the one digital piece that you have 100% control over. The name, the look, colors. It's the one piece of media that you can control 100%. And what I mean by that is if you just rely on a Facebook page for your business, Facebook controls ultimately what your Facebook page looks like. And they constantly are changing that. And I've seen some companies rely on that. And then Facebook makes a change. And next thing you know, they're hurting. They're like, wow, we had great business and now the phones aren't ringing. So you want to have a piece of real estate, so to speak, out in the digital world that you can control 100%. That's really the primary reason. And you want to give folks a place to go to if their friends refer them. And if they refer the name of your business to a friend, and the friend should be able to just Google the name of your business and your website should pop up. So that piece of real estate you control makes a big difference. Now, once we have the, the, we have the market down, the target market, we've got the message. Now we've got our media home base which is your website, what do we want to do typically next in the digital marketing world? The next thing we want to do is we want to figure out where the target audience or target market is going to most likely be. 
So when, when you go to uh, Google, you know, it's a verb, Google it, and you Google something, for example, roofing contractor near me, you're going to see ads at the top of the page for sure, whether you're on your phone or on your desktop, because that search, roofing company near me, has a high commercial intent. Anything that Google can monetize, they are going to do that. By monetize, I mean they're going to run ads for it. The good news is, is if you have a roofing company, if you want to get in front of people that are searching for roofing company near me or things like that, you can can run ads and that's Google search ads. As a company, you pay each time somebody clicks on your ads. Now, I happen to work a lot in the roofing space, roofing contractors. And we know roofing contractors are going to pay anywhere from say, well, maybe $20 to $40 per click. That can add up pretty quick. So if you are in a highly competitive space and the the amount of money that people are spending, you know, for example, getting a roof done, that's probably $20,000. The cost per click is going to be more expensive than if you were looking for tacos near me. In fact, Tacos near me, there might not be anybody advertising for those keywords. So as a roofing company, you pick the keywords that you want to be shown, your ads shown for. People search for that. They see your ad, they click on your ad, and then they end up at your website. One of the things that we have to do if we're going to run any kind of advertising, online or offline, is we have to have tracking in place. One of the things that we do is we set up a call tracking number. So if somebody comes to your website and they had been on a Google ad, they're actually going to see a different phone number on your website. It'll forward directly to your line. You don't have to worry about that, but they'll call that number. And then we have a record of that person calling based on the ad click from Google. So it's super important to have call tracking and form submission tracking on your website. So if somebody comes to your website from an ad that you're running, you know how they got there. And the technology has been around for at least 12 years, maybe more. It's very standard in the industry now, and a lot of people use it. Whatever you do, before you spend money, make sure you get that set up correctly on your website. So if you're not doing this, it's really important to understand, if you're not doing this, you're not going to be able to know what's effective for your company and the audience you're trying to reach. Yeah. And after all, the goal is not just getting our name out there. What's the goal, Pete? Alan has in his book, he said, don't use advertising to get your name out there. Rather than getting your name out there, you'll fare far much better by concentrating on getting the name of your prospects in here. So we want to make sure that your message is clear to the customers you're targeting through the media that you're reaching them with. So it actually generates the customer coming into your space, your digital showroom, if you will. Whether or not they're ready to buy today, which is uh, an interesting phenomenon that you see with Google paid search ads. That is intent marketing, meaning people are actually searching for you. They have an intent. So it's a perfect advertising, right? When that's why Google is worth $1.2 trillion now, because people have an intent. They're looking for you. They're looking for a service and they get served ads for that service. It's almost like the old phone book where you would, you know, you would 
advertise on a page in the phone book and the specific page you decided to be on was the service you were offering because people would grab the phone book and use that as the source to find something. So it really was intent marketing back then as well. It's just a modern version of the phone book in some ways with respect to intent, but Google paid search ads and Bing paid search ads right now are the best way to find people who are really looking for a product or service. From a pr- advertising perspective, it doesn't get much better than that. That's kind of the place that we start. And we don't want to minimize the concept of name recognition, brand recognition. That's very important. We don't want to minimize that. But if you're just throwing stuff out there to get your name recognized without the right structure to support it, it's not going to do what it needs to do for you. Okay, so here's some other things we have. We have a website, we got the Google ads. Tell me about the current uh, world of social media ads. Primarily when we think of social media ads, we're thinking of Facebook and we're thinking of Instagram. They're always changing and shifting. Uh, What do uh, clients need to know? Mm -hmm. One thing I want to preface all of this discussion by saying that we are focused on companies that are selling a primarily a service. Yes. We are not talking about e-commerce companies that are trying to get a direct sale every time somebody clicks on uh, an ad. So just bear that in mind as we go forward here. With respect to social media ads, they are good at finding a group of people based on demographics, for example, or location. And Google ads can do location. In fact, any advertising that you're going to spend money on, you should be able to control the location. Right, You don't want it just to go all over the place, which is a problem with radio advertising, for example, because radio signals go everywhere. (laughs) So so that's one thing to bear in mind is how well you can target down to the spot that you're looking for. Facebook ads, see, are still very effective. Now, there are different types of Facebook ads that you can run. One of the types of ads that we find to be very good is called a lead ad. What happens is somebody sees the ad for your product or service, they click on it, and they fill out some information. The call to action on the ad could be book now, get the download. In any event, you're going to collect the user's email address and or phone number and name and their zip code as well. So you're going to know where they're located and that information is then going to get sent to your business. Now, maybe there was a promise of a a PDF you were going to send them or some offer that they were going to capture or a coupon that they were capturing. And so you're obviously going to respond with that. But now that you have their information, That really is that step that we were looking for is getting them. So you're knowing who are the people that are seeing your ads and reacting to them and responding. So again, going back to what Alan Dibbs said, it's you're faring much better by concentrating on getting the name of your prospect. So really what you're doing is you're getting leads. You're not necessarily getting a sale. It obviously depends on the product that you're selling. But Facebook is really good at that. And what I tell a lot of our customers is Google paid search ads are the lowest part of the funnel people with a high intent for your product. But what if they've never heard of your product? They don't even know to search for it. Yep. Google ads aren't going to work, right? So you're going to have to then use what I call interruption advertising, which is Facebook. And Facebook ads are tied to Instagram as well. So if you're running a campaign on Facebook, you can run the same ads. It's a different version of the ad, but you can run that same type of ad 
on Instagram as well. So those are all two tied together. So we kind of lump those two platforms together. Obviously, each of those cam- each of those platforms has its own pluses and minuses. For example, Instagram seems to be really good for doing e-commerce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of things that I've never seen before on my Instagram feed, and there's always a little shop button there. Mm-hmm. And they show me just enough to really intrigue me. And so I click on it, and and next thing you know, I'm shopping for something I didn't even know existed five minutes ago. Uh, one thing I do want to note, though, is that with all of these uh, new types of ads that you're running on Instagram, you know, five years ago, not everybody was on Instagram. It seems like a lot of people are on Instagram now. Is that you're going to need to have video assets? Yeah. So just running a static picture ad is really difficult to get responses now. Videos and video ads really is kind of the gold standard, and it's just kind of the way everything everybody's going. So that interruption type advertising, Facebook and social media, is really effective. The cool thing about it also is if you have a loyal following of customers. Customers and they see your ad, a lot of times they'll like your ad. Yeah. And they'll comment on your ad. And so that will actually boost the effectiveness of your ad. I think Facebook ads and Instagram ads are a great place to start. TikTok, you really have to have a person who understands that platform and understands what resonates on it if you're going to attempt to use that platform. You can't just take some videos and feed them up there. You can, but you're you're not going to get very good results. TikTok is really kind of a beast of its own right now. And I would say, if you can't find a specialist, don't even go there. Yeah. The other thing that I want to talk about with video is YouTube, which of course is owned by Google. Hopefully everybody knows that. YouTube ads can be extremely effective because now on YouTube, you can make your ad associate with any video on the platform. So think about that. Amazing. So you've got a video from a competitor for their product. You could literally tag your ad to show on their video. Now that's pretty sneaky. Right. So, um, but the YouTube is a very effective platform. We're running campaigns for one of our clients on YouTube and we're getting really good results. Now, one of the things you have to bear in mind though is the ads should be well-produced. Now, some people will say, oh, you know, you could just take a video on your phone and blah, blah, blah. And there's sort of this movement to do that. But we found that if you're selling a high priced product, I mean, if you're just selling little widgets for nothing, then yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want on your phone to make a video. But I'm not saying phone video is bad, but you need to have a good production value, whatever you're using for your platform. But if you're selling something of big value, for example, let's go back to roofing, you're going to need to have an ad that was produced well. Yeah. Otherwise, that will reflect poorly on your company and you could look fly by night if people don't spend the time to get the video produced well. Go ahead. Think of it this way. If I'm a law firm and I'm doing an advertisement on Instagram or on YouTube video and I'm, and I'm looking chintzy, I'm not going to build customer brand loyalty through doing that and confidence. And they need to have confidence. Now, one thing that we want to make sure we don't miss in all of this, as people are filling out forms and giving you their emails, if you're not backing up that information with email marketing, then you're really missing out. And I know 
every day you probably open up your email and you're like, I got to go through this whole list of newsletters that I get and just delete, delete, delete. Every time a person looks at your email to delete it, they're seeing that you sent them an email and they're getting some content. A lot of great marketers will tell you is having people unsubscribe is not a problem because as long as you have more subscribers than unsubscribers, you're still growing your list. And if you have an open rate of above 20%, you should just smile and say, okay, great. So I get those advertisements every day through all the advertisements I'm going through. And I usually, on any given day, I'll open up four or five of them because they catch my attention. Alan Dibb does a great job with this on the email marketing and the media. Oh, yeah. Is you want to have a good tagline that's going to get their attention, kind of a a topic line. And then you're going to want to decide what kind of approach you're going to take. And there's a couple that he talks about. One is more like a blogger who's going to write, you know, two to 3,000 words and put it in there. And if the content is strong, people will read it. I know that we do on marketing. There's a couple of uh, marketing newsletters we really get into because they give you about five or six great pages of internal depth. So I'll read that one more than I will you know, just a a standard one, but there's also, I can read really quick and leave an email that also is attractive that if I can glance at it, I can get the information and move on in a few seconds. Also very effective. Mm -hmm. I guess the key here is don't try to live in Neverland, right? Try to pick exactly what you're going after and what you're going to do. Now, something else that's kind of making a comeback, talk to us about actual old snail mail, Pete. Yeah, I've seen a resurgence in snail mail. And it's true because a lot of companies are now switching to digital only. That means that in theory, at least, you should be getting less mail in your mailbox. And a lot of companies are now using postcards and other forms of advertising to reach out. Now, the people that I see all the time are like the credit card offers. I mean, that's that's normal. But I'm seeing some companies send out really well-produced postcards, for example. And the nice thing is, like, think back 10 years ago, we didn't have QR codes. If we did, nobody used them. Thanks to COVID, everybody knows what a QR code is. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're producing anything in print, you want to have a QR code on there. Because we can program a QR code with what's called a uh, universal tag. And so if somebody scans that... QR code, which will go to your website, we know what they did on your website. And if they decide to call you or text message you or fill out a form on your website, we know that it was that QR code that they scanned before they did that. Now, we don't know who the individual was until they reveal the details. I mean, I don't want to get too creepy here, but it is... Yeah, so we're looking at, with snail mail, postcards, for example, having QR code for sure, having an offer, having a phone number that happens to be a call tracking number that was assigned just to that campaign, and also uh, a web address that goes to a special offer. But most people, if they see a QR code or a phone number, they're probably going to either scan the QR code or call the number if they want to take advantage of the service. Now, the other thing is folks want to text. So if you're putting a phone number on there, 
make sure that it's text enabled and say call or text us. Yes. And have a way to respond to those. We've got some systems that do that. But you want to make sure because what we're finding is the younger folks out there, for whatever reason, don't want to talk to people on the phone. They just want to send a text message. Those are some things that are really important. And if you have a website, of course, you want to make sure you have a call us or text button on your website for mobile users, in addition to the forms that you would normally have on your website. So I, I see snail mail as being effective. I do have a client that uses Google ads. They are in a lot of print ad mediums and they're doing radio. And I had lunch the other day with both the owners. And I said, how do you measure the success of each of those? He says, I don't worry about it. I know they all work together. Now we are putting tracking numbers on everything just so they have an idea of what people are doing. But uh, what they're saying is that the radio feeds the website. He said, you know, the web and Google is probably getting more more credit than it deserves because people are hearing our radio ad for the name of our company and then Googling the name of the company. Yeah. Obviously, that looks like a Google search, but in fact, it was started by the radio. Yeah, it's prompted so, by it. And, and hey, a, a couple of things here to just think about. When you I first identify your target market, then you craft your message. We had this experience with one of our clients the other day. we done all the work on their messaging. And when they went to the radio station and said, we'd like to do some advertising, radio station said, do you have an idea of what you want to say? They said, yeah, here's our marketing message. And the radio res response was, oh my gosh, you know your message. And they were able to quickly get ads up and working and getting their name and their message out there. All the media requires the messaging. And one of the ones that is uh, popular and they're still feeling their way through it, though, are the podcast commercials, which are becoming mm -hmm. more and more effective. Because now a lot of people don't listen to live radio. They listen to pre-recorded podcasts that have inserted advertisements at strategic points. And so doing the recording, yes, that's good. But they're going to give you the option. And as a business owner, you want to really think that through. Maybe there is a podcast specific that your customers you're learning, a lot of them listen to, or the people you'd like to reach are listening to, and you can connect it with that. That's right. Great strategy. And uh, there's one other platform that we've run a campaign or two for, which is Spotify. So mm -hmm. Spotify has an ad supported subscription and then they have the paid subscriptions but the free subscription or the free spotify has ads and i pay for mine so i don't hear the ads but one of our clients wanted to get on spotify and it was nice because it was relatively approachable it was about a two thousand dollar buy to get started and it's a targeted audience so there's actually more targeting available on spotify but you're paying more per person to reach yeah. the people but you can be more specific about who you're reaching so for certain target markets Spotify would be a consideration in addition to the podcast platforms that you can target your market. Okay. So one more thing that I want to make sure I drop in here relative to the one page marketing plan of what we're doing here as we walk you through this 
Yeah. As we said, you've got to get your target market first, your message second, and your media third. But you also have to understand that just like we said, the media without the market and the messaging does not work. You can have a great identified target market and have a great message, but if you don't get it out there, it's not going to work for you. So it, this is not an either or thing. This all works together. And right. all, actually, all nine of Alan Dibbs featured one-page marketing plan. I call them quadrants. They're not quadrants, obviously. Yeah. Sections and tabs. Each row, each, each row, row before, during, after. Yep. They're so critical in this media part. You want to do it strategically so you're getting the most for your money. Uh, one shout out to Pete and the team that works at Biz Marketing with this is they're constantly tracking the data. What's working, what's not working. And I love this uh, Alan Dibb quote. He has in there, people ask me all the time, how can you measure the effectiveness of a campaign, a marketing campaign. And he said, I can answer that with one question. Did the campaign make me money? Now there's a lot of data under that to support it. But if you want an easy way to measure it, let's try this for a time and don't just try it for a day, try it for a season. And you'll know if it's making you money or not, depending upon what kind of services and products you're selling, it is going to be a trial and error sometime. And you shouldn't panic at that. That's just part of the process. Right. Well, there was one other thing that Alan talked about that I wanted to share, which was protect your business from a single point of failure. And what he means by that is if you are just relying on one source of leads in your business, like a lot of businesses just rely on word of mouth when they get started. If you're just standing on that one leg for marketing, you're really putting a lot of risk and you should have at least three legs to your marketing strategy. And I would encourage you as a business to think about that. Make sure you've got more than one leg that you're marketing and new business is relying on. Yeah. Well, we certainly hope that you're enjoying this one-page marketing podcast and getting some insights from it. Again, if you'd like to have the book, you can email us at free at bizmktg.com and we will send you an actual physical book that you can mark up right in and use it as you're going through the day. And we want to make sure that you know that we're all about helping you win online. That's what we want to see. We want to see businesses win. We are here to help in any way that we can. Pete, what's your final word for the day? Thank you, Alan Dibb, for writing this great book, The One-Page Marketing Plan. I'm holding up a copy of it right now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biz and Life Done Well with Peter Wilson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most of the other popular podcast platforms. Please tell your friends about us and leave us a review so even more people will find out about us. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.